Hello and welcome to A's Plus, the San Francisco Chronicles podcast on the Oakland A's and Major League Baseball. I'm your host, Chronicle A's beat writer Susan Slusser, and today, stats guru David Feldman and I will talk about some of the A's off-season needs and how they might be able to address them. We will talk about the second base spot, catcher, and relief, and maybe even the outfield. All of that next on A's Plus. Well, it's time for our look ahead, uh, I guess, version of the A's Plus podcast with Dave Feldman. Dave, uh, welcome back to A's Plus. What do you see going on this offseason with the A's? We know they like to make moves. We know they like to do things a little bit differently from some other teams. Uh, anything that you kind of think they, they might have up their sleeve at, at various different positions? It's going to be an interesting offseason. I also think uh, before we start the 2020 year, the A's payroll for the first time ever is going to go over $100,000. $100 million. They've never, $100 million. $100,000 would be good, wouldn't it? Had a whole infield back <laughs> over a hundred uh, million dollars for the first time, uh, so that's a barrier they're going to break, and I, I don't see any way they're not going to do that. Uh, Marcus Simeon's raise by itself might put them over a hundred million dollars. Um, so now you're talking a little bigger money than they've ever dealt with, and how are they going to distribute that among this team that they have? They have guys who are arbitration eligible, uh, a couple free agents that I don't think we're going to be seeing returning. Um, and you got position battles, right? You go into the offseason for once, and, and you have a, a position battle definitely at second base, uh, where you have three guys, two of them are out of options, one guy's an arbitration-eligible guy. Uh, it's going to be really interesting to see how that plays out. The outfield's going to be interesting. The bullpen, it's all pretty interesting. You're set at third, short, and first. Everything else could be kind of mixed and matched as we go forward. So there, there are a few other positions obviously, that, that look like the A's potentially could make changes at or, or upgrades. You've got to think that they look at the sort of backup catcher situation because right now they've got two right-handed hitting catchers. And, yes, Josh Fegley had some really good months last year offensively, a little bit of a mixed bag defensively on the catching side. Uh, Sean Murphy is clearly the number one catcher, I think. I think that's going to be his job next year. So I think they'd probably like a left-handed hitting catcher. Uh, John Shea on the podcast right after the season mentioned Stephen Vogt as a possibility. Uh, There are some other left-handed hitting catchers out there, some who might be a little more uh, pricey. Um, You know, start with Alex Avila, number one. But you know who I kind of have my eye on, and I think you won't be surprised by this. Jason Castro, bring him back to the Bay Area. And you could have another yeah, Stanford guy on the team. But he also, you know, he brings leadership. He's had some good seasons. Uh, he might be a little pricey for a backup. And he might not necessarily love the idea of being a backup. But but there are definitely, there are some guys, I think, out there. Um, McCann, Weeders, you know, some guys on the down end of their career. And then Vote obviously, would be, if you talk about a backup, who could also be the most ideal mentor uh, loves the Bay Area, loves Bob Melvin, loves the coaching staff. I, I think that that could be interesting. But I think if if that's the case, if that's what the A's want, they could look to trade Josh Fegley. And you and I have talked about this a little bit, Feldy. Um, there are some guys I think the A's could look to move here, um, especially before that early December deadline to tender contracts, because I think they will not tender Blake Drinan. 
I wrote that right at the conclusion of the season. I think he's a candidate to be non-tendered. Jerks and Profar's a candidate to be non-tendered. Uh, I think um, Ryan Bookter is a possibility to be traded. Fegley. Uh, and I here's another one. You know, their outfield is starting to get a little crowded. They've got other guys that are options potentially at AAA. Stephen Piscotty's signed to a very reasonable deal. Um, but if they feel like Ramon Laureano, who's younger, uh, obviously even cheaper, if they feel like he's the future and Canna can handle center, maybe they consider moving Piscotty on. He's a local guy. Everyone is, knows his story uh, and you know, coming back to be with his mom before she died. Uh, and he really fits so well with the team. I don't think that that's like a slam dunk or anything. I'm just saying it's probably something that at some point they might at least consider. I would think so because he's very attractive to other teams because of his cost certainty. This is a guy who's signed through the 2022 season. So that's three more seasons. He's making seven and a half million a year, basically each of those three years. So, Yes, it is a bargain for the A's if he can produce like the A's think he can produce. But for other teams, that's a very attractive thing to have cost certainty over a player. Um, so, yeah, I think he can be very interested. Uh, teams were very interested in the open market with him. I'm with you with Loriano. I think he plays better in right field. I think the arm plays better. He tracks the ball better. I see him as a right fielder. Um, I don't know if Canna is your everyday center fielder for a whole season. Uh, he's another arbitration eligible guy who's going to get a good rate, pretty good raise. Made $2 million last year. I think he's at least going to double that, if not maybe even triple that with the year that he put up. Um, is he an everyday center fielder? No, but he could also play left field, and he can also play a little first base if you need him to back up there. So I could see them going after a center fielder and getting a left-handed hitting center fielder. That seems what they're in need of, um, if they're going to kind of mix and match this outfield a little bit. Um, you know, Robbie Grossman, they could bring him back and make him a fourth outfielder. He's an arbitration guy, so again, they could not tender him or bring him back, um, but a perfect fourth outfielder. Um, and Seth Brown's also in the mix of being a corner outfielder to start the year. Um, something that comes into play is the larger roster next season. There's going to be a 26-man roster, so automatically that's going to give you a four-man bench as opposed to a three-man bench they played with. And if they put a limit on the number of pitchers you can have, if they cap it at 12 pitchers on the roster, which they have talked about, that would even add a fifth player on the bench. So there might be some more room for some players. Um, I think it's interesting, too, because you look in the outfield in the minor league, and there was a guy they traded for who's still down there who we didn't see at all this year, and that's Dustin Fowler, who is a left-handed hitting outfielder. Um, they seem to have sour on him after their one season. You know, again, not even getting a sniff, but is he part of their future? He did hit 25 bombs uh, for Vegas this last year. Uh, I think the outfield's going to be really interesting to see how they move forward with it. Yeah, I do, I do too. I mean, you know, it could be as simple as moving Piscotty to left, you know. My gosh, then you you got great arms on both corners and ton of cost control. And, and uh, you know, maybe a, you bring up somebody like a Fowler to, to spell Canna in center or have Canna DH, you know, and then... Uh, I, I think they've, they've certainly, it's going to be a strength of the team, no matter what they do. But they also might look at it as, as a strength. Maybe they can deal from it. Um, second base, that's obviously the biggest question mark on the position side. Uh, this is one where I think they, you know, if you package up a bunch of guys, maybe you could trade for a second baseman. 
maybe they could look at the free agent market. Uh, you know, they were very, they did, they were talking pretty seriously at one point last off season to DJ LeMahieu. So, uh, you know, they, they, maybe they could find something, uh, that, that would be ideal. Someone like that. Um, but you know, they've also, do they ever give Franklin Barreto a real shot? Jorge Mateo, you know, is he in the mix? I, I really think he's an exciting, exciting player. He was hurt at the end of this last year. I think we might have seen him in September. Uh, and, you know, they, those two guys are out of options, as you, as you alluded to. Profar, I think, has probably gone as a result, unless they keep him through spring, see what he's got, and, and you know, let the, really make it a competition next spring. That's certainly possible. I think it's more likely they either trade him or, or non-tender him. Uh, so uh, a lot of decisions there. How do you see things shaking out? Second base is interesting, and I like to see them personally stick with Jerson Profar, or at least give him a chance to bring him into camp in the spring. Uh, yeah, his average was way down at 218 overall, but he did have 20 homers. He drove in 67 runs. Uh, I think that's going to be the worst offensive year he's going to have going forward. You know, he's only going to be 27 years old. He's getting into his prime. I just think there are big things ahead for him. And he's, and he's one of those guys who can play all the in, all the infield positions and the outfield positions. He was a pretty good left fielder the few times you saw him out there. And again, with the expanded roster and more flexibility you have with players, I think the better off you are. So I, I'd like them to bring Profar back. Don't know if it's going to happen because you still have Franklin Barreto, you have Jorge Mateo, like you mentioned, both out of options. They're going to have to make a decision on him. And you got Sheldon Noisy, who was basically the everyday second baseman going down the stretch. So it is definitely a battle for that position. Now, Franklin Barreto is the last remaining piece of the Donaldson trade. Um, he's going to be 23 years old. He spent three years at AAA already. It's either give him a shot or you just got to let him move on. Um, I don't know. We've seen what we've seen of him has been a guy who swings on a lot of pitches. He doesn't have much idea of the strike zone. He's okay defensively. And if he played the White Sox every day, he'd be an all star. But unfortunately, they only schedule the White Sox about seven times a year. <laughs> Uh, you know what, but Profar, I'm with you. I think Profar could have a few huge seasons offensively. I do. I think that uh, that might be ahead of him. The defense scares me still. Um, they kind of got away with it. They, he didn't wind up. I thought he might factor in hugely in an, a big, important game with his defense and kind of nearly did. He got bailed. He was bailed out a few times. But uh, that scares me. But the thing I did like is he handled a rough season so well uh, he was really a good fit in the clubhouse just a great guy always in a good mood always a good teammate you know what uh when they would bring up Barreto to replace him he'd be the first guy helping Barreto and supporting Barreto when they'd bring up Noisy he'd be the first guy helping Noisy and supporting Noisy so um I really like him but given you know he's going to be in his final year of arbitration that's expensive a guy with Really, really shaky defense. I don't know. I don't know if he's if he's worth it. Noisy, you know, he's he's got op- options left, obviously. So uh, knowing the A's mo, they'll keep two guys with options as long as possible. Uh, yeah, history tells us that. Yeah, that's just kind of what they do. So, but that's going to be fascinating. I I couldn't tell you what they do, but you know, maybe package up a bunch of people and and try to to bring in somebody else or or a big free agent. You know, that you're right. Hey, the 
payroll's going over 100 million. Let's just just bust it wide open. This is the time to do it. Sign Simeon and and uh, it, you know, we should talk about Simeon. Now, I can't imagine a circumstance in which they would trade him, but he is going into his final season before free agency. They would get a ton for him because he is one of the best all-around, not just shortstops at this point, players in the game. He's going to finish in the top three, I think, in the AL MVP battle. Um, I don't think they'd do it because, first of all, what would they do with shortstop? Uh, and I think there would be a huge uproar. I mean, you, this is a team that just had so much backlash for trading guys like Donaldson. If you trade a guy who finishes in the top three in the MVP race, and he's local, and a team leader, and just a, you know, a superb all-around person and player, I, I, I can't see it. But there are some years you would have said, like, yeah, they might do that. Yeah, yeah, I, I would be, I would be really shocked if that was to happen. Um, but they're going to have some questions going forward money-wise, right? Because Simeon, you know, one more year arbitration, and then he's a free agent. And then you're looking at the arbitration years of Chapman and Olsen. And if you're trying to project what they're going to do, I don't know if you can sign all three of those guys no, for long-term deals. That's not something that no, that's going to be No, that's going to come close to $400 million just for those three, based so, on their market value and even going a little less. Yeah. So that's really, really interesting. And then right behind those guys, if things work out as we think they will, you have Paco Lizardo. Um, again, three years away from dealing with this, but if they're as good as you are and you're trying to project, uh, the A's are going to have some financial questions to, to answer to, and that's where some player movement could come in. I don't think it will happen this year with Simeon. I think he's going to get a, a huge raise. I'm sure the A's would love to sign him to at least a two- or three-year deal if they could. Think Simeon would be crazy to do that? Yeah, why would his agent would be crazy? His, I mean, and he switched agencies too. Uh, he's he. I think he's he's no dummy. I think he's going to go go with the best advice he can possibly get from his new agency. Yeah, and that is to finish out your year here with the A's and go on the free agent market and see what you're worth. Yeah, um, he'd be he'd have to look for at least seven, six, seven years. The A's. I don't. I can't see the A's doing that. No, I don't see it either. Um, Interesting to see what happens with arbitration with him because here's a guy who made just under six million last year. Um, I know there's been some projections out there from him, but he's he's going to double that if not go go over you know to thirteen million or whatever it is. That's yeah. a big payday for that guy. Yeah, which is great. Well deserved. He plays every every game. He'd play every inning if they want asked him to. Uh, and yeah. and look at the numbers. It's it's. Uh, I mean, it's it's nice to see a guy find you know this is what you get get into this position, and this is what arbitration is arbitration is for is to you know a fine a guy finally getting paid what he's worth. Now, uh, I think we can agree that one area the A's will probably look to make some additions is the bullpen. They almost always do. Um, there's some interesting names out there. Um, some of them might be a little bit on the pricey side. Anyone? particularly jump out at you i mean they they certainly talked about will smith at the trade deadline um you know then there's some interesting free agents you look at when you look at will harris hector and guys the a's see a lot daniel hudson um anyone uh, steve ceshack got some guys who had some pretty decent years anybody pique your interest uh, I'm, I'm i'm tough at bullpen guys uh, <laughs> i don't like spending a lot of money on bullpen guys um, because they tend to have good years and followed by bad years. Um, you don't see a lot of consistency. Um, 
think where, where the A's are concerned, you go, okay, Hendricks, arbitration, we're going to keep him. Uh, I 90% they're going to pick up the option of the T, if not 99%. I wouldn't see them let him go in a way. Yeah. Um, you've got to figure out your left-handed situation, right? You have Deacon, who's, who's an option, um, and Booker, who's arbitration. Uh, left-handers are going to be different going forward now if the three-batter minimum rule goes into effect, which it looks like it will. Right. Um, especially watching the playoffs, you watch the Houston Yankees training game and there's one pitcher per batter, you can see why baseball wants to go this way. Yeah. Um, and I, you know, for me, as a traditionalist, I like it. I, I think the three-batter minimum is a whole different strategy and it's it's a really interesting game move, um, and it's going to change how you build your bullpen. It's no longer finding that one batter left-handed guy. You need a guy who can pitch a whole inning and a guy who can face lefties and righties, and that's going to change the open market. It's also going to change how some starters are viewed. Right? Left-handed starter. Let me give you an example of Brett Anderson. Brett Anderson, who's had a tremendous year. Um, IDAs don't have room for him in the starting rotation. But could they find a room for him in the bullpen because he's a multiple-inning guy yeah. who could pitch out of the bullpen that way? Um, I think it changes the way that people are going to look at pitchers now yeah. because of this rule. But that's that's why I think Ryan Buchter's probably not necessarily a slam dunk to come back. Right. right. This isn't a guy you really want facing good right-handed hitters. Um, I'm not a huge Jake Deakman fan. Um, he comes in and he walks a lot of guys. Yeah, well, he comes in and walks the right-handers. Yeah. And that's what's going to happen. So I think the left-handed situation of the A's bullpen, that's something they're going to have to look at and try and find somebody. Um, you know, guys are going to be non-tendered here coming up in, in the next month after the World Series. I think the market's going to be different with the number of pitchers out there. It's, the A's have done a very good job of finding guys, and you go, oh, I didn't even think about that, and fitting in. Uh, Petit is a great example of that. Giving him that two-year contract kind of came out of nowhere. And it's worked out well. Uh, Joaquin Soria is coming back next year on his second year. And Joaquin got off to a tough start, but he finished the year very strong. And so you look at the back of the bullpen with, with Hendricks and, and Soria and Petit and Wendelkin, if he can continue his progression, he was very good at the end of the year. Um, you feel good about that. And they're going to find somebody, and they're gonna, it's going to be somebody we're not even thinking of they're going to bring in. Yeah, and, and following that recent track record, it will be somebody a little bit on the older side with a fairly good track record that they give a two two year deal with maybe an option, some something like yeah. that. But yeah, I like the idea with Brett Anderson. I, I think they would like to bring him back, and I think that is that is a, a potentially a nice spot if he wants to do it. Now, if you're Brett Anderson and uh, you know a, a team calls and says, you know, we want you to make. 30 starts for us this year, and here's a lot more money because you're a starter rather than a reliever. I, th I think you got to take it. So, um, uh, much as I love Brett Anderson, one of my all-time favorite guys to cover, I can't. Uh, I'm, I'm not sure that, that that's really likely unless the A's can do a really make it worth his while. Um, you know, he does like it. He, I think, he knows the A's are well set up to probably go back to the postseason again next year. Uh, if everything breaks right, but uh, that might be a little bit of a hard sell for a career starter. Anything else kind of jump out at you? I, I think, you know, Chris Bassett's situation. Um, again, he's an arbitration guy coming off a very strong year. Um, the A's are going into November. <laughs> they know they're, what they want their five starters to be, and Bassett's not one of them. Um, 
but he showed he could pitch out of the bullpen. And again, we're talking about a multi-batter guy. I think Bassett's an important guy to have on your team um, as a reliever. And then if something goes down with one of your starters, he can come into the starting rotation. Yeah, I don't think there's any doubt about it. He's he's very valuable in that role. Uh, and the A's really like that kind of almost semi-piggybacking kind of thing that they were doing, you know, a little bit with Lizardo, you know, following and giving a couple innings and occasionally puck. Um, I, I think that Bassett could be a guy like that. I think Anderson could be a guy like that. Uh, I think that's going to be what we see a lot of from the A's last year, if, if obviously if Anderson were, were to come back, but him or somebody like him. Yeah. Uh, the other guy, and, and I'm guessing he's going to be non-tender, but maybe not, is Jarrell Cotton. What's going to happen with Jarrell Cotton? It's a mystery. Absolute mystery. Yeah, I mean, we know the talent. There were real flashes of it, but coming back from Tommy John was a, it can be a very slow process for guys. Uh, and, the, you know, they say it's two years out where you really start feeling like yourself, but certainly the numbers weren't there and the reports weren't great on him this last year. Uh, and, yeah, it comes at a kind of a uh, contractually a difficult time. So, yeah, we might, uh, it, it might be a dis- one of those tough decisions I have to make to just say, like, hey, you know what? Sure, some team out there is, is willing to to give you a shot and give you a full-time shot because they certainly don't have a rotation spot for him, you know, unless somebody were to, to get injured. Yeah, I, I think I was always a big Cotton fan, hoped that he did well, and I just don't think it's going to work out with you and he's going to be moving on and, and going to get a chance somewhere else. Yeah, I mean, I think another guy from that trade, that same trade, Grant Holmes, could be a guy that we would see rather than Cotton. I think there are other guys that are, you know, probably now maybe even ahead of him from the group in the minors. Um, Caprillion, potentially. Um, Parker Dunshee. Uh, I, I think Cotton, yeah, you're right. Given the contract status, this this might be it for him. That's a really good point. Well, we shall, we shall see um, some of the A's coaches potentially getting looks for a managerial job. Mark, Mark Kotze has already interviewed with the Giants, which I think that would be a fantastic fit. Um, some interesting names have, have popped up over there. But I wouldn't be surprised if uh, Ryan Christensen gets a call uh, to interview somewhere. Matt Williams, potentially. He's only a few years removed from being a manager of the year. So um, there's so many openings. Has it surprised you, David, how many openings we have here? They seem like they keep coming. Yeah, there are a lot coming. Um, you're seeing some of the old school managers and Bochy retired, Hurdle who got fired, and Yost who retired. So that that's opened up the door now to see which way teams are going to go. The Philly situation is fascinating to me because yeah. here was a team that was going to go kind of this whole new school, uh, using analytics, breaking things down, and they brought in Gabe Kaplan, who came from the Dodger school, um, to run this. And it didn't work out very well. And now they're talking to the oldest of old school guys, Dusty Baker. Yeah. Uh, and was it, is it, is it then somebody's talking to Buck Showalter? They also talked to Buck Showalter as well. Um, Yeah. So now there's like, they're totally doing a 180 and we're going to go old school uh, with some of these managers. It's funny. It's like, remember the old thing used to be, you know, you you get the, the kind of the hard ass and then you follow him up with the nice guy and then you follow him. Right. Now it's old school, new school, old school, new school. I just, you know, with, with the way that front offices are run and they're run by these younger kids 
um, the younger kids. They're in their 30s for the most part. Um, they're definitely not coming from baseball backgrounds, but coming from an educational background. Um, you know, you're not seeing the former player become a general manager anymore. That does not happen. Um, and what they want is they want to run the game the way they want to run it, and they need sort of the, the front man to, to be the face of the team, to talk to the media, and do all that while they're making all the moves behind the scenes. Yeah. That's what it seems like from, from afar, right? Um, you know, you look at what happened with Dave Roberts and the Dodgers. Um, there were some moves being made, and he's getting killed for it. Uh, this is a couple postseasons in a row this has happened. I don't know how many of those decisions were actually his yeah. or were made for him. Right. Some of it's just surely based on the numbers. Here are the numbers that they say you do this in this this situation, uh, and you're expected to do that. You know that's all. It's all written out. Mo- most managers certainly have all that information from the front office. Now, you know you can probably deviate from it once in a while if you got a pretty good reason. But you, you know what? That this is all now part of a plan. Every team's got a plan, and you stick to the plan. Yeah. How many times have we heard this postseason script? This is our script. We're scripting a baseball game? Yeah. (laughs) It doesn't work out all that well, does it? No, it's it's, it's wild. So for the Phillies to kind of turn away from that and say, we're going to bring in a guy who's run baseball his way, especially, you know, Buck Showalter, who when he was the Diamondbacks' first ever manager, he was in on every detail from the path to the mound, from the stripe on the uniform. He made every decision. Um, you're going to let a guy like that run your team now as you try and deal with a you know, front office who wants to have their own input, um, a collaborative effort. It's, I don't see that working out. Yeah. And the Padres apparently are pretty interested in Ron Washington. He's obviously on the old school side. So uh, maybe, you know, these things all come back around uh, eventually. You take the best of the best and sometimes – you know, that means going back to the, the last thing that worked before whatever the new thing is. Um, speak, you, you said um, you're not going to see foreign, uh, former players becoming GMs. I do think, I saw, this, saw the news today, and I'm not surprised at all that Sam Fold has turned down some opportunities to interview for manager spots. I think some of that is because he's got little kids at home. I don't think he necessarily wants to be on the road quite as much. But I also think he is going to be a phenomenal general manager at some point. See? Yeah, I like that. And here's a guy uh, who's, who's also cutting his teeth in the front office, and he's obviously a smart guy. We know that. Um, and he's learning the game. Yeah, he could be a, a former player who becomes a GM. Yeah. That's one of the one of the guys left that can do it. It's just, boy, it used to be, remember, talking about the 70s and 80s, it was always a former player Yeah. that yeah. kind of rose into the GM role. Uh, and you like somebody like Billy Bean. Yeah, you know, players. Then playing days were done. He becomes a scout and then works his way up the front office. Because he's as smart as he was, he was going to be the guy. So rare to see that now. Yeah, yeah, it's interesting. Brandon McCarthy's another guy. You know, he's in the Rangers front office, and I, I think, you know, very smart, very metric, like like Fold, very metric oriented. Was on all of that stuff very early. So, yeah, but you're right. It's going to be few and far between well this is always a fascinating time of year david feldman we will try to get you on and uh, back on in maybe another month and we can talk about any developments that have happened then but for now those are the things to keep an eye on uh as we come up to the the winter meetings in in uh less than two months now 
And uh, the A's have do if you look at the roster and you go, oh, it's pretty set. It's actually it's it's not as much as you would think. There's some interesting ways they could go. There is. There's some cornerstones, and then there's a lot of empty spaces where they can figure out how they want to move forward. I will say this. I, I think the quote you got from Matt Chapman that last week of the season when he said, this is the the worst season I'm going to have. I kind of feel that way about the A's as a team for the next few years, that last year was the worst year they're going to have. This yeah. team is built to win a lot of baseball games, and they're in great shape to do that. You know what they need to do if that's the case? They need to sign Marcus Simeon, and in which case they have to give him, you know, the multi-multi-year deal to get him to do it. Because if he, if you're building around this core, he is a big part of it. Uh, and then you pick one between the mats, I guess. After that, if you, if you, uh, if you feel like you can't sign all three of them, which, unless they actually have a ballpark and some spades in the ground, I'm not sure they can. No, that's true, and that's where this whole ballpark thing really, really plays into how they move forward with the payroll because you're right I think if they saw shovels in the ground come spring say you know what we're going to have this money let's, let's sign everybody let's do what the Cleveland Indians did back in the 90s and go into that ballpark with this unbelievable team and if the shovels aren't on the ground you're going to go you know what we're going to have to look at this differently yeah with this pitching staff they have and with the uh, the three infielders they have and the very strong outfield and Sean Murphy you have to sign Simeon to keep this window open for maybe the next three years. Uh, I think that's that's a must because uh, otherwise you're out there looking for a shortstop who can play both ways. Tough to find, as the A's know. They basically had to completely trade for and then develop their own, which is that's a tough way to do it. High degree of difficulty. Right. David Feldman, <laughs> thanks for joining us on A's Plus. We will we will catch you in the next month. All right, thanks, Susan. David Feldman is a stats expert and an official scorer who appears regularly on A's Plus. Our producers today were King Kaufman and G. Allen Johnson. We'll be back soon with more A's Plus. Thanks for listening. A's Plus is part of the San Francisco Chronicle Podcast Network. Audrey Cooper is the editor-in-chief. If you like this show, please subscribe, tell a friend, or give us a review. Follow me on Twitter, at Susan Slusser, or you can email me at slusser at sfchronicle.com. Support A's Plus and a lot of great journalism with a subscription to the San Francisco Chronicle. There are print and digital editions. Find out more at sfchronicle.com slash subscribe.